I wonder if you, if you have your Bibles, we're going to look this morning at the, from the book of Acts, a, a couple of different scriptures, but, but the first is in Acts chapter 16. Uh, this is this week has been our uh, North American Missions Offering Focus, Annie Armstrong uh, Easter Offering Focus, and we've got missionaries all across North America and, and through the IMB around the world and, and uh, through Baptist on Mission and other organizations you've got. We've got folks in the state and other places. And this, this is the Macedonian call. Now at this point in Scripture, you've got Paul and you've got Silas and then Timothy's joined them. Uh, John, Mark, and Barnabas have, have gone in another direction. So you, you've, this is a missionary endeavor and, and they're at a place where they, where they can't go where they want to go and God reveals to them where He desires them to go. So uh, for me, this is a, a great time of seeing God at work and God showing His His will and our need to respond to Him. So Acts chapter 16, beginning with verse 6. Now when they, that's Paul and Silas and Timothy, had gone through Fergie and the region of Galatia, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. And after they had come to Mysia, they tried to go to Bithynia, but the Spirit did not permit them. So passing by Mysia, they came down to Troas. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia stood and pleaded with him, saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. Now after he had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go to Macedonia, concluding that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel to them. Will you bow with me, please? Heavenly Father, we're thankful, thankful for you, thankful for what you do, and thankful that you have a call for each of us. Uh, help us to hear your voice, help us to respond to you, to say yes to you. And so, Lord, we again come with surrendered hearts, with, with open hearts. Uh, we're thankful for all that you do. So as you reveal, give us courage and strength to say yes to you. Uh, we thank you, we praise you. Uh, we surrender to you. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, in this, the verses that we read, and it's part of a, a bigger picture, really, the, the, the book of Acts is an incredible unfolding of, of God at work and, and how he, like in this case, he closes some doors. And, you know, they had to have been frustrated. They wanted to go to Asia and they wanted to go to different places and, and the Spirit didn't permit them. You know, we've all run up against barriers and you come up to that, that closed door in life when you, you're convinced. And they had to be convinced. Paul and Silas had to be convinced. You know, the Lord wants us to preach more in Asia and to spread, spread out in this way. And, and so when the Spirit wouldn't permit them, you know it was discouraging. The Lord, but I thought, but I thought, but I thought. The issue when, when I say that, when I say, but Lord, I thought, I thought, I thought, is the I part of it. You know, I, I can devise plans and, and maybe they're not so bad. You know, they, they're good on paper. But my plans need to be his plans. And so Paul and, and, and the others here, they're running against those roadblocks and the Spirit won't permit them to go where they thought. And so they come to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul, and a man from Macedonia standing and pleading with them in verse 9, saying, come over to Macedonia. Help us. Help us. 
What an incredible vision you know, that God showed him. There's, there's something you wanted to go to Asia, but I've got a plan for you in Europe. You know, so I need you to turn in a, a little bit of a different direction. And, and there are people pleading, saying, come over and, and come help us, come help us. So Paul sees the vision and he, he hears the vision. You know, in our country right now, there are 360 million people plus. I imagine the number keeps going up. It won't be many years. It'll be 400 million people. But right now, 360 million plus. About two-thirds of those people do not profess or confess to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. So two-thirds of our country at least don't say that they know Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. So it's, it's tempting for us to, to say when our mission is giving is to say, well, I'm, hey, I'm going to send it you know, over there somewhere, send it to the IMB or send it to another organizational ministry that works with the, you know, what we would say that the heathen lands and we're in a, what's historically been a Christian-based country, at least from our legal standpoint it has been, and say, well, we're going to do, do stuff out there. And we're, we're good. No, we're really not good. And none of us is good. Not, not one of us. So Jesus Christ is the center of everything. And so we live in a culture, our culture, right here where we live, even in, in our communities, where roughly two-thirds of the people don't profess to know Jesus Christ personally. So they're not going to be coming from the same viewpoint we are. And increasingly, our society is secular. Just You hear the things on television, you know, what people talk about and what the political hot-button issues are. They're, they're not the, uh, what the majority of, of a lot of people are propo- proposing. They're not Christian-based principles in our country. You know, more and more people aren't growing up with a, a foundation in Christ, and so they're, they're pushing things that are contradictory to Jesus Christ. And that's the culture we live in. It's increasingly on, a, on a, a, a big level, when we look at the whole picture, it's increasingly becoming dark. So then what do you and I do when our culture is increasingly secular? We need to answer the same kind of call. Where Paul is praying, and actually he's not really at this point, but a few miles from Philippi, which is where he landed first. He's just right across a little stretch of water. As he's traveling north and going to the to the west, he's not far away from Macedonia. These folks are are kind of sort of right around the corner. Is what's happening here. He's he's right there. And God shows him a vision and, he's, and this guy's saying, please come tell us. Please come help us. And so Paul sees it in, in verse 10 after he had seen the vision he shared with the others. And immediately we sought to go to Macedonia. Immediately. You know, when I don't want to do something, if, if, if you're like me, and if I don't want to do something, but I want to sound spiritual about it, and somebody says, hey, will you do so-and-so? You know what the answer can be? You know, I'll, I'll pray about it. And a lot of times, that means no. I, I tell the story a lot when 
Hurricane something, uh, high on, I think it was, hit the Philippines. Galen Moss has sent out some stuff from Baptist on Mission looking for folks to go to the Philippines. And I, I can't say I necessarily wanted to go, you know, but I was kind of, sort of, you know, willing to go. So I emailed him one night and I gave him my timeline. This is when I can go and when I can't go. When I can't go is during Christmas. But I'll go kind of any other time is kind of what I told him. The next day he calls me and he said, uh, well, um, and I had mentioned water purification because I studied chemical engineering in college and I thought that'll be interesting. I'd like to do that. And that was one of the things that was going on. He called the next day and said, I don't, I don't need you to do water purification, but I do need you to go to the Philippines and, and be the team leader. But when I need you to go is the week of Christmas when, when you said you couldn't go. And I said, all right, well, I'll pray about it. I'll call you tomorrow. Is that all right? Sure, it's all right. He said, I think that's what he said. It's all right. I don't know if he said, oh, sure. And I said, all right, okay. So the next day I called him and told him, well, I, I appreciate the offer. I, Christmas, like I said, is not really when I can go. And I gave him why I didn't want to go at Christmas. And I said, I can go later, though. And his answer was, I don't need you to go later. I need you to go you know, this week. And, and if you don't go, we're, we're just going to – Jack Frazier was there with the team prior to me. He said, if you don't go, we're not going to have a team four, and we'll just end it when, when Jack's here. And I was like <clears> – and I said, in a moment of honesty, I said, all right, Galen, it's like this. I was director of missions at the Eastern Association. I said, Galen, it's like this. If you can give me one more day, I'll really pray about it this time. And he kind of laughed at me and said, well, I can, but i got to know, you know first thing in the morning. Well, I mean, that was the truth. I can't honestly say that the, the first time I really prayed about it, I thought about it some, and I, I you know, threw up a couple of, uh, well, Lord, I, you know, if it wasn't that week, I'd go. Well, see, that's not a, that's not a prayer. That's telling God what I want to do. Kind of like Paul in, in this passage when they were, hey, we want to go to Asia. And God's saying, that might be. But I want you to go west into Europe. Which again, it, we're not talking about but a few miles here really in the, the route they were going. And God's saying, I need you to do, to do differently. Well, in your life, you might be like me that was saying, Lord, this, I, hey, I'll, I'll serve you, but this, this is how I'm going to do it. And that sounds like a good offer. You know, hey, I'll go to the Philippines on January 2nd. Didn't want to go the 1st either because that's New Year's, you know. And my kids were home from school. I don't want to really go then. I'll go January 2nd. And it makes us sound spiritual any time but, but this time. Or I'll do it later. Lord, when, when everything else is, when I get my life the way I want my life, then I'll serve you. Well, what happened to Paul is God gave them a vision, or gave him a vision, excuse me, and he related it to his team and immediately. We, which is they, saying Paul, Silas, Timothy, and, and if there were others with them, 
Immediately we sought to go to Macedonia, concluding the Lord called us to preach the gospel there. So they're saying, all right, God gave a vision. He intends on us doing it and doing it now. Well, what happened, and we won't read this whole passage, but, but going in the rest of that chapter, they sailed from Troas and they, they went and they landed in a place called Philippi and they went down to the river where Lydia and a bunch of ladies normally gathered and prayed. And Lydia took them back to her house and she and, and her whole house, in verse 15, when she and her household were baptized, she begged us, saying, If you've judged me to be faithful in the Lord, come to my house and stay. So she persuaded us. So in, in verse 15, you got Lydia and her whole family. And, and in that culture, you know, your, your whole house, that could be a, an extended family. This could be a lot of you know, people. Or a good many people, not just Lydia, husband, one or two children. It could have been a bigger group. So her, her family gives their lives to Christ and she begs them, stay here, stay here. So they stayed there. And that was the first church in, in Philippi that God developed. And, and so God's working in there with this group of ladies that was gathered at prayer at the river. And then this extended family that commits their ways to the Lord and convinces Paul and, and Silas and Timothy to stay and to teach them and to lead them. And so that, that little group is formed. And this is on Paul's second missionary journey. And he's, he's launching into a new area and God plants a foundation there. So God's doing some incredible things. So your response and my response when God gives us directions needs to be what Paul's was, which is, yes, Lord, okay. If that's what you want, that's what I'll do. And I don't have to figure out, God, what you're intending to do. I just have to follow. When I, so remember, the first thing that happened is that a church was founded in Philippi. And if you look over to Philippians chapter 4, this is Paul writing to that Philippian church, which by this point in time is probably bigger than that, that one family. But Paul's writing to them, and this is later in his missionary journeys, and in Philippians 4, beginning with verse 10, this is what he says to that group of people that started in Lydia's household. I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at last your care for me had flourished again. Though you surely did care, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in regard to need, for I've learned in whatever state I am to be content. I know how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I've learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Nevertheless, you've done well in that you shared in my distress. Now you Philippians know also that at the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church shared with me concerning giving and receiving but you only. For even in Thessalonica, you sent aid once and again for my necessities. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. Indeed, I have all and abound. I'm full, having received from Epaphroditus the things sent from you, a sweet-smelling aroma and acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus now to our God and Father, be glory forever and ever. Amen. 
So Paul left Troas and went to Macedonia, and the first group of people was Lydia and the ladies at the river and, and then her family, and a church was, was founded there. And so later in ministry, he tells that little huddled group of people. Verse 10, your care for me flourished again. You surely did care, but you lacked opportunity. So they're, they're giving to him again, and Paul's writing to, to them. And then in, in, in verse uh, 15, you Philippians know that at the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church shared with me concerning giving and receiving, but you only. Now, you and I look back at the great missionary, the great apostle Paul. God took him to all of these different places. And the, the modern missionary movement basically started with Paul and, and, and his colleagues. You know, we're results of that. That God expanded the, the, uh, the testimony and the witness of the church that had been focused primarily on Jews. And then Peter went to Cornelius' household and, and uh, God changed it at that point in time. But Paul, the great missionary, and he's telling the Philippian church, one church, one, one church. He said, y'all know that there was a time when nobody shared with me but you. You know, it's easy for me to say, well, you know, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm nothing. I'm just one person. And you can say that. I'm just one person or one family. And Redbud can say, well, we're just we're one church. We're just one church. What's one church going to do? Well, here, one church. When God called Paul into Macedonia and one church was started in Philippi, that's what launched the whole thing. One church. That when no, nobody else was there holding the ropes for Paul. He left Antioch. It's where he you know, originated from. And they sent the people out. But he's saying to the Philippians, you know that when I went into Macedonia, you were the only people holding the ropes for me. You were the only people who cared for me, supported me. So everything that happened going forward in that missionary journey... It all went back to that one little huddled church that started with those ladies at the river and then went into to her house and, and they spent some time together and, and founded that first outpost. One church. So when I say, well, Lord, what are you going to do through me? Well, here he took one church. And it really changed the course of Europe. One church. And so Paul later in life is writing back to them because there's obviously been a, a delay. They helped him and supported him. Then there was a time when they couldn't, probably for economic you know, reasons. And he says, hey, I'm, I'm glad y'all are doing it again. But, but then he says this, in, in uh, verse 17, not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. And so God's telling, or, or Paul's telling them, you know, thank you, 
thank you for your gift and your generosity, but it's, it's not that I had to have it because I've learned to be content in everything. If I've got a lot or if I've got a little bit, I'm going to be all right. I'm, I'm trusting the Lord. He's saying, um, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. I'm, I'm going to trust him first. I'm all right. He said, but I'm looking for what's going to be added to your account. Imagine when the Philippians read this letter and they'd heard about the churches that were dotting all across Asia Minor and all across Europe, Turkey, you know, basically, in, in our map. And then the things that happened later on in Paul's life and they're saying, oh, oh, we got to be a part of that. See, God didn't do it and leave us out. He allowed us to join Him in what He's doing. You know, in, on that, that trip to the uh, Philippines that time, they, what my job ended up being on a daily basis, I, I handed out medicine. You know, it was a medical team is what we ended up being, and a couple of guys did go do water purification, but it, it wasn't me. And they were doing it and giving out clean drinking water. It's awesome, just tremendous ministry. And then the others of us went and did medical clinics. Well, I'm not a doctor, I'm not a nurse, I don't know anything about it. So my job was when somebody came with a prescription from the, the, uh, the doctor or the paramedic and they said, this is what we need, I looked in the suitcase and handed it to them. I mean, that's my job. That was relatively simple. Now, you can't do that here, but you know, on a medical mission, it's what I did. Well, one day the paramedic came and said a little baby was leaving, baby about this big. And the paramedic came and said, just kind of flippantly, he was just talking, thinking. He said, you know, uh, if, if that little baby that's leaving, all we did is give him ibuprofen and, and rehydration salts. He said, it's not really that sick, you know, but it just needed a little bit of stuff. The baby's going to be fine. He said, but if we hadn't been here and given that baby the stuff, uh, that kid would have been dead in a day or two. And I, I just started weeping when he told me that. And he said, what? What, <laughs> what did I say? And I said, well, you know, I almost didn't come. And, and we wouldn't have been here because for some, what I told Galen was, I said, go on down your list. You got somebody else who can lead the team. Just call the next person. And he said, there's not a next person. If you don't go, they're not going. And I said, you know, all God wanted me to do is whatever it was I did, which was to get them to the right location and then let them do the stuff they were professionals at. I wouldn't know anything about it. But I looked at the baby and thought, God, you... You're showing me that, see, it's not about me and what I know or I'm capable of. This is a child that's alive today instead of dead. Because somebody gave him ibuprofen and rehydration salts, which, you know, we can get something here easily to be rehydrated, but after that, they couldn't. So it, it's simple things, but it's surrender things. So when you think about this month, the, the Annie Armstrong Easter offering, you, well, say, well, you know, what's $5? What's $10? What's that going to do? It'll do what the Lord intends it to do when we surrender it. And when you say, Lord, I'll go where you send me, wherever it is, 
It may it might be across the road to your neighbor to share Christ with them in an evangelistic sharing, or it might be to share Christ with them and serving them in a in a physical manner. It, it might be saying, Yes, Lord, I'm willing to leave this place and go to another place. It might be that God taps you on the shoulder and says, you're the one I want. It's not about what you know or don't know. It's about the fact that you know me. And I'm sending you out. And to say yes to Him. Because God took this one little church in Philippi and He really did use them to change the world. He really did. And it's we don't know numbers from back then. They didn't have annual church profiles like, like we do. But it's not at all likely that there were as many people in the Philippian church as there are here today. Not, it's, they, they were house churches. It, it would have been most likely a couple of dozen people, probably, that God used to change the world. So there's no limit to what He can do through us when we're surrendered. But that step is like Paul when he saw the vision and he shared it with his team and they said immediately, we're going to go to Macedonia. So the question this morning is, are you and I willing to say to the Lord, yes, Lord, you show me what you want and I'll do it. Maybe in your life, God's closed some doors and you're here this morning and a bit frustrated thinking, but I, I want to go. This is what I want to do. But God's revealing to you, know, I want you to turn in a little bit of a different direction. Are we willing to do it? You know, it's easy to hold on to our life and do things our way. And to work things out. But God's saying to us, don't beat your head against that closed door. Walk through the open one that I've set before you. And watch and see what God will do through us. Now, folks, it starts with surrender. Will you bow with me, please? Uh, Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for what you're going to do through us and you're using us in a tremendous way, in a mighty way. You've got plans for us. And God, we, we desire with all of our hearts to be in the, the very center of, of your plan. So we beg you to show us. You're doing it, you're actively doing it, but sometimes we just don't see and hear. Help us see and hear. And then, God, there are other times we don't have courage because it's not exactly what we wanted. Give us courage to go in the direction that, that you desire, even if it's a bit of a change. Show us, encourage us, and give us courage. And God, fill us with your strength. And make us humble people such that we're pointing others to you and not to us. It's not about us. It's not about Red Bud. God is all about you. As we pray this month about our Annie Armstrong offering for North American missions, 
God, show us what you want. What do you want us to give? Are we like the Philippian church where there's some missionary that's counting on us and you're going to change the world through them, change North America through them, and we get to be a part of it? Show us. Give us courage. Lord, we surrender as we offer this prayer in the name of our Savior and Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. This morning our invitation is turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in, in His wonderful, glorious face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim, which is not really strange when we're focused on Him. These things take on insignificance. But when we do that, we've got a different perspective in life. So as we sing, it's a chance for you and me to respond. Uh, the altar's open. You can come and, and you can kneel right here and surrender to the Lord. Yes, Lord, show me. Just show me, Lord. Help me to see like Paul's vision. Show me. Perhaps God's already shown you and then that becomes a time of surrender saying, okay, I see it, Lord. I'll, I'll do it. I'll do what you want. But say yes to Him. If you're here this morning and you've been doing things your own way, this is a time to say, yes, Lord, you are Lord and I'm yours. It's a moment of surrender. So answer him as we stand together and sing him 413. Turn your